Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I like stand-up comedians. Stand-up comics? I don't know. Sebastian Maniscalco, one of my favorites. Italians, we don't play basketball. When's the last time you put an NBA game on and said, take a shot, Nunzio? It doesn't hit. <laughs> put in Carmine for the three. No. Times, what do we do? Cement, nice cement driveway. <laughs> Meatball sandwich, give us a church, we'll paint the whole ceiling. I mean... <laughs> Is it a stand-up comic or a stand-up comedian? Nick Cody, former University of Oregon offensive lineman, joining us. What do you prefer? Hey, John, I've been asked this before, and I have to say, like, I have a good logical reason. I'm going to go with comic. You want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. All right. What has more movies based on them, comics or comedians? Comics right now, right? The, the okay. Nobody went to see the Sebastian Maniscalco movie. Nobody went to go see the Burt Kreischer movie, but every week they've got one of these comic book movies in there, so I'll go with comic. Comic it is. Nick Cody with us made the transition from college football player into stand-up comic. He'll be at the Ranchito Grill, open mic night in Springfield, 6.30, uh, sign up, 7 o'clock show. And there's another uh, open mic uh, at, in Springfield at 9 o'clock. What day is that? Is that Friday night? Yeah, though, these will both be Friday night, so any comedians, anybody with any talent or interest in coming out and maybe giving it their first try, well, if you don't do so good the first time, hey, you can go up and try again in another spot a couple minutes later. Give me an idea of the adrenaline rush that that is when you get up in an open mic, maybe early on when you started versus now. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'm sure you know a lot from radio. It's so much about reps and uh, being comfortable using your voice the right way. Those first couple couple times you go up there, you think you have a plan, and then, uh, you know, if they give you three minutes, you probably only have about one. If they give you five minutes, you probably only got about two or three. And those first couple times, you just got to go up there, swallow your pride, know that things are, uh, are, are not going to be as good as they probably will be once you get some more reps. So I know uh, the first couple times I went up, I go and watch those clips. Now uh, it's amazing to see how much I've progressed in just a little over a year. Was this something you always wanted to do, or how did you get the idea? Yeah, I've always thought to myself, like, someday I'll give it a try. You know, I've always enjoyed comedy. Uh, my, my parents really instilled a lot of comic values in me. I used to watch a lot of stand-up with my dad back in the day and listen to comedy albums with him in the car. So it's always been a thing I wanted to do. And then when the pandemic hit, it really just hit me like, man, did I, did I just miss my opportunity? Is comedy just going to be dead now? Are we not going to have these public settings where you've got 50 people stuffed into a cramped, ugly club, and then everybody's miserable trying to make them laugh. I don't know if we'll have that again. But So as soon as the pandemic was out, I guess, uh, I was like, dude, that was the time. And so I started uh, first with a comedy class for about six weeks, and then I started just relentlessly hitting the open mic scene about three or four days a week. I love it. And, and do you feel like you had uh, – you must be getting enough success – to keep you going, right? Like, I mean, early on, you probably are just trying to get through your set, but now, you know, do you find yourself having 
moments where you're like, hey, you know, I could really do this. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of the benefit from, uh, you know, being a graduate of the UVO uh, School of Journalism is I've been able to leverage a lot of the things I learned in broadcasting, uh, formatting, being able to uh, produce content both uh, in, in digital and uh, print media. So I've actually been able to produce a couple of my own comedy shows. Uh, just on the 27th of October, I was able to produce my own solo comedy show. Uh, it'll be the sixth topped out show we've done this year. But I uh, got to entirely produce it on my own. We sold about 65 tickets. I had a real, real good time. And, uh, again, I've just been able to build my community around me, uh, assist people with making posters, doing promotion, things I'm comfortable with. And that's also helped me build up my comedy as well. And now I'm pretty comfortable, you know, if you give me time and preparation, I could do about 20, 25 minutes on stage. I love that. Yeah, we're talking to Nick Cody former University of Oregon offensive lineman. Uh, give me an idea. I know you live up in the Washington area. You don't like the Huskies. Do you have a similar <laughs> feeling about USC? What were your recollections playing against the Trojans? Man, I, it's a it's a different kind of uh, dislike. I, Huskies, we'll, we'll use the term hate. Uh, you know, Beavers, it's like a rivalry. With USC, there's just that, ugh. There's just something about them that I've always not been interested in. Probably, probably stems back to being the one Pac-10 offer I didn't have coming out of high school. But there was just always something about the the arrogance, and not just them, the players. You know, players deserve a certain level of arrogance, but the fan base. I've never understood it. Um, you know, especially in the last decade or so. But you know, the, the thing is, is my recruiting trip, my official visit, was the 2007 USC game. Uh, Dennis Dixon came out. You know, they, they set the decibel record or whatever. And I just remember, like, that was the team that back in the day everybody got up for. And it, when Chip took over, there was a real, real focus on, on making every game that big. So I really think that in terms of my career, when I came in, USC was a big game. But by the time I graduated, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's another game, and it's Oregon versus Oregon every week if you're, if you're really on top of what you're doing. Nick, let me ask you, what has it been like? to be a former duck amid a lot of huskies who are enjoying an undefeated season yeah in real life it's not that bad i mean really uh, i hate i hate <laughs> even saying this and giving them the credit husky fans aren't as bad as you may get the impression of on the internet now that's a whole different story for me i know they, really? they absolutely hate me there but in person they're people are pretty nice uh and I love that automatic boo I get of announcing myself as a duck in an open mic because the, as long as you're getting a reaction, you can play off that. Do you address it head on? Do you, like, step up there? Because you're a big dude. Like, how tall are you? What do you weigh right now? Uh, right now, 6'5", and too much, too, 200, too much, something, something <laughs> okay, like that. But, so you, yeah, you get I, I stand you, out. You, but you get up there. Do you address that head on? Do you get up there and is your bit part of your act based in the in the fact that you are like twice the size of most of the other comics? Yeah, I, I can do that. Uh, I kind of go up usually uh, with something in mind. So either I'm going to play off that, uh, especially, you know, at Ranchito this weekend for all my Oregon football fans. I'll be doing a lot of football-related jokes, things, things that definitely call those things out. But sometimes... You know, something just happened in the news or media, and I'd rather focus on that. But, yeah, I definitely uh, I have a lot of sets where I, I emphasize my big ducky energy. All right, down the stretch here, Oregon obviously trying to get to the playoff. 
You have been on Chip Kelly teams that played for the highest of stakes. And what was that experience like for you as a player? And what advice would you give maybe to the guys that are going through it now at Oregon? Yeah, I mean, what a ride. Uh, Four straight BCS rings, uh, you know, uh, trips to games I would have never expected to play in. Uh, But the whole thing is, is you learn so much. And, you know, you hear, you know, a lot of great college coaches reemphasize it in different ways. And I think Coach Lanning's done a fantastic job of reiterating to his players that it's, it's not the destination, it's the process. And when I look back at the, you know, the, the championships, especially that inaugural Pac-12 championship as we, uh, as we wrap this league uh, up, it's, it's really amazing. that I think back to, you know, the celebrations are great, but I really remember the grind a lot more. A lot of those hard days that stuck out the most that you look back and you're like, Man, you know, there was times you wanted to quit. There was times things were really hard. Uh, and whether it was your personal or, or on-field life, things weren't always easy. But, man, you never gave up, and then you see the results of that and being process-oriented every day. And, honestly, it's kind of the same thing in comedy for me now. It's like even if you have a bad day, uh, it's not so much about the result. It's about going back and figure out what happened in the process to create that result and changing that to the next time you go out. Give me something that Chip Kelly taught you that you still carry with you? Oh, man, too much. Uh, <laughs> I think the one thing that got drilled into me is uh, he screamed at me once down in Arizona, if it's a gap exchange, you don't have to go running at the linebacker, just go straight upfield. That's probably the one he taught me most. But uh, just in terms of life, I think, again, like the process orientation, I talked about comes a lot from the win the day motto. I think a lot of it just stems from that and uh, fast, hard finish, all those mottos that uh, he really – really ingrained in us uh, that they stick with me this very day. All right, Nick Cody, tell them where you're going to be on Friday night if people are going down to the Oregon-USC game or if people in the Eugene area listening right now on Fox Sports Eugene want to come out and see former Oregon Duck offensive lineman Nick Cody uh, at open mic night, where can they go? Okay, guys, you want to come to Ranchito Grill in Springfield off Mohawk Boulevard. Shout out to my man, the owner, Ruben. He's a fantastic guy. It is a completely free show. It'll be indoors. You guys will want to ask the staff if you're there for the show. They'll show you where to go. But come at 6.30 to sign up. Show up at 7 if you're just there to listen and laugh. And uh, free show, but please encourage you to buy some of the fantastic Mexican food offerings they have at Ranchito Grill and especially some of their fantastic beverages. There you go. He is Nick Cody. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. Good luck. Break a leg. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Go Ducks. There he goes, Nick Cody. I think it would be one of the most terrifying things ever for you know college football player to be like, okay, everything that made you good, or mo- I don't say everything, a lot of the things that physically you work on as a college football player aren't going to help you on the stage. I do think being on the stage is being on the stage. So there is that element. Confidence is confidence, as Pat Casey has told us. Uh, you know, confidence is comfort. And so I think sometimes athletes who have been on that stage, you know, they understand, you know, you're out there and it's you and you've got to you've got to do it. You've got to carry it. You've got to win the day that that can help you, whether it's on a stage or not. But it, I it's just a very different skill set. It's very interesting to me to see Nick Cody having success after football uh, in a uh, in an element that is so different than what he did on a football field. Our big splash is coming up. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach, in the 5 o'clock hour.
Big guests all week long on this show. Dan Lanning on tomorrow's show, Oregon football coach. Jonathan Smith today at 520. Make an appointment for it. And on Friday, we'll get a visit from former Oregon State football coach Mike Riley in the 3 o'clock hour. Riley back in Corvallis. He'll be among those inducted into the Oregon State Hall of Fame Saturday as the Beavers take on Stanford. Uh, Stephen, of those three interviews, and you could only hear one, which do you tune into? I kind of want to hear Mike Riley. I want to hear what Mike Riley has to say about Oregon State and the situation that they're in with the uh, with the Pac-12 and them not being you know yeah. being chosen. I I kind of think Mike Riley is the answer there. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. I, I I was trying to think myself like if I could only have one guess, Riley would be good, and and, and Riley's really interesting because you know he's back in Corvallis. His football season ended. You know whatever league that is that he's coaching in, whatever they're calling it now. It's it ended for the season. He's back with his grandkids, his wife in Corvallis, and um, you know he's got good good perspective on what happened in the Pac-12. I I also want to just ask him about how it all went down when he decided to leave for Nebraska. You know he he'd said once upon a time he regretted leaving to the NFL from Oregon State. Did he make a second mistake in leaving Oregon State again? Would he still be there as the head coach at Oregon State? Is what I'm getting at. Uh, be very curious to know what he thinks of that. Um, also, uh, Dan Lanning on tomorrow's show, he's got USC this week. I mean, I want to talk to him about USC's play calling change on the defensive side of the ball, the health of Bucky Irving. So people said that in the media session yesterday, Irving was not practicing as the media were let in to see the end of practice. Um, there's some concern about whether or not he's got uh, concussion protocol. Uh, he t- apparently took a hit in the Cal game. I did not see that. I didn't catch that. Um, I was in Boulder, so I was kind of watching the game on TV, not in person. And so, be curious to see what's going on there. Um, and uh, you know, just what he expects. This is a lot of fun for Oregon right now, as they find themselves in the mix. They have no margin for for error, and they're in the mix. It's uh, it's got to be a lot of fun for Dan Lanning. And then Jonathan Smith today, I mean, it's just obvious, like, look, this is it. It's a it's a two-game season for Oregon State to set up a one-game season. What I mean is you get Stanford and you get Washington. If you can win both those games at home, where Oregon State has been damn near unbeatable in the last two and a half seasons, if you can win those games at home, it sets up do or die at Autzen Stadium in the final game of the season, and in that context, Oregon State would be holding its own destiny and in control of its own destiny. You win three straight, you are probably going to Vegas as the two-seed in the Pac-12 championship game. You would knock Oregon out of there uh, as a two-loss team, and you know I think it'll be very interesting to see. Now, you know I'm not forgetting Utah either playing at Washington this week. If Utah beats Washington, presumably... Oregon State would be in the position in a couple weeks to potentially create a three-way tie or to create a situation where, you know, it could end up being Oregon and Oregon State in the Pac-12 championship game. A three-way tie goes to, uh, you know, the team that would have the record, I guess, the the best record against um, common opponents. I think Oregon would finish third in that one. So Oregon, I guess, in that scenario would get knocked out. It would be Washington and Oregon State going to Vegas. But a lot up in the air right now. Don't forget Arizona. Arizona's playing great football. 
and uh, and doesn't have to uh, play the opponents that everybody else is playing down the stretch. So everybody forgets about Arizona, but there could be multiple teams tied with two losses, or it could just be Oregon and Washington at the end. What do you think is more likely, Stephen? Are we going to go to like two team? Are we going to go to tiebreakers? Or is it just going to be an Oregon-Washington equation in your mind? I think it's tiebreakers. Um, I I hope for the conference that it, it's just an Oregon-Washington situation. I think it's going to be much more clear, and I think the winner of that game would get into the college football playoff. We also would find out who wins the Heisman Trophy at that point. But I think there's going to be some chaos. I, I think Oregon State has a lot to say about this. I think Arizona has a lot to say about this, John. I, I could see a situation where Oregon, they lose to you know, USC or they lose to Oregon State, Arizona runs the table, and then we got a three-way tie, or you know, a three-way tie for Arizona, Oregon State, Oregon. You know, for that number two spot. Like, there's a lot of situations where I think there could be some tiebreakers. I hope it's not. I, I hope it's clean for the pac 12s sake. But man, John, the way the conference is, it's just too good. There's too many good teams, and you know, you look at Washington at this this grueling stretch that they have. I mean, they're not done. Like, they could lose any of these games coming forward. So I, I think there's going to be some losses coming up. And it's interesting because I was taking a look at the multiple team tiebreakers just to kind of see, you know, from Oregon standpoint or Oregon State standpoint, what do you really want? And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me that, you know, Washington has a win over Arizona earlier this season. And so that if you're Oregon State, you don't want a multiple team tie that includes, um, you know, uh, Arizona and Washington. You don't want that because your you, you know your uh, tiebreaker then becomes head to head win percentage against the two teams and everybody I guess everybody in that case would be one and one so then you'd go to step two then it becomes win percentage against common conference opponents that uh, you know are all teams involved in the tie and you didn't need to start going down the list yeah Judah and me were looking into this and I think for that the number two one the opponents win percentage or whatever that is the common opponents it's all the same too so then it goes down to the next tiebreaker after wow. that and so like it's uh it's very very tight if you put those three teams Oregon Oregon State Arizona as that two seed tie there but I, I I got a question for you about the Oregon USC game real quick John yeah I've been thinking about this. All day yesterday, all day today, I was talking to people about it, and you brought it up. Like, is there going to be a huge difference with Alex Grinch out? We've seen this in the NFL. Last week with the Raiders, Antonio Pierce, they got the one-game bump. Last season, the Colts, Jeff Saturday as their head coach, do we all remember? He won his first game. They got a, you know, they got a bump. This happens in the NBA. This happens in all sports. Are, are, am I just not realizing how big of a difference that w- this one-game bump could be for USC on defense? Maybe they show some things that Oregon hasn't seen, or they're not expecting I, I look at the players in USC, like they're not great, but they still have some talent. They got some speed. Am I just underestimating this? And this could actually be an actual real difference in the game on Saturday where USC defense get this one game bump and they play decent against Oregon. They're in this game. I, if USC weren't so soft, I think you could consider that a, uh, a danger for Oregon. USC is soft. Utah punched them in the mouth and just kept punching and in the end, I talked to some of the media members who cover Utah football after that game, and I said, what happened? And they just went, like, in person, the USC just folded. And it had nothing to do with athleticism. It had to do with toughness. And I don't think the USC players are very tough. And I, so I think if Oregon shows up, especially early in the game, and sets a tone, I think USC will wilt. And And – a lot of times you'll see teams when a coach is fired, a head coach is fired, you see players play with a certain uh, 
you know, a, a, spur, a, a certain freedom and a certain joy that they didn't have when they were, you know, being sort of ground into dust by the coach that was the head coach. But that's a head coaching situation. I don't think that you can say that USC as a whole is going to play with a lot more passion this week because the D coordinator's gone. And, in fact, the guy that's taking over as the D coordinator is Alex Grinch's buddy. And so I I just kind of think, like, it could be more of the same, but maybe they line up a little better. Maybe they simplify the game plan. Maybe they don't find themselves out of position as often. But in the end, Utah just moved USC's players at the line of scrimmage. They were soft. USC was soft in that game. USC was soft last week against Washington, gave up too many rushing yards. I don't think USC is going to be anything but soft against Oregon. On Saturday, I'm not worried about Oregon winning that game. I I think you know I think maybe they line up better, maybe they have better gap integrity, but I think Oregon's going to blow them off the field. Yeah, I I don't know. The closer it gets to game time, the more I I'm get nervous. I'm getting a little nervous for Oregon. This, <laughs> this feels like this could be the Washington situation last season. Washington came into Oregon into Austin, a double digit dog, won outright. I'm not saying USC is going to win outright, but nobody is picking USC. Everybody is doubting them. We know Caleb Williams is really good. He's got talent. That offense can go. If the defense can get any stops, I, I don't think – I'm with you. I think Oregon wins the game, but, man, John, as we get closer to the game, I, I, and we'll probably do our leans later on today. Oh, yeah. I'm going – I think I might go USC. Plus the points, I think it's going to be a lot closer than we think. It just screams at this Washington game from last season. Well, we'll talk about that coming up, and we will uh, visit uh, with Jonathan Smith in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll also do – Fun fact or nah, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. And Punch It Audio is still ahead. We got great sound today as part of Punch It Audio. We, we scour planet Earth looking for all the best clips, and we compile them so that, you know, while you're going about your day, all you have to do is tune in here and catch Punch It Audio right here at 4 o'clock, and we will catch you up on everything that you missed. Everything that you need to know is coming up. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Finally found a point spread on Montana's game at Portland State on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Steven, what did you think it was going to be, Montana? I said uh, 10 and a half. Montana is a seven-point favorite at Portland State. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.